Are your wiper blades chattering, skipping, or squeaking? Don't let streaks or smearing on your windshield compromise your visibility. When it's time to replace your wiper blades, stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts and see our selection. Our professional parts people will even install your new wiper blades while you wait. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't-miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. What's up? This your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Hey, it's Jonas Knox. Winter is coming. Heavy rain, sleet, snow, and ice. Are your tires up for the challenge? In the season's worst conditions, winter tires are a game changer. They elevate traction, control, and confidence. They sell only the best, like the full line of hand-cooked tires. Go to TireRack.com slash sports. Tell them what you drive. Your tires will ship fast and free to your one of over 10,000 recommended installers. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. You're listening to Fox Sports Radio. Radio. Live from the Geico Outkick Studios, where 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Visit Geico.com for a free rate quote as well. Duralast batteries designed to stand up to even the most extreme weather conditions. They're built with patented technology to reduce damage due to vibration and deliver the most power during startup. They're proven tough and sold only at AutoZone. Get in the zone, AutoZone. All right, off and running here on a Monday. Hope you are having a fantastic morning wherever you are across the country So much to get to. As you know, on Mondays in general, we open up the phone lines and let you guys react. We don't have a single guest scheduled. We don't ever do that. 877-996-6369 is the phone number. And I got to start. I believe we'll start with college football, then move into the NFL. Before I even get there, I think I saw the worst call I've ever seen in the history of the NFL in that Jets-Patriots game, if you have not seen the play, you need to, at some point today, ensure that you go watch the video. Because I'm not one of those guys who sits around and says, oh, the NFL is rigged, oh, there's any kind of uh, decision-making that's going on that is nefarious in, in general. But that is the worst instant replay review I've ever seen in my life. If you haven't seen it, I think it was Austin Safarian Jenkins is catches a pass and is moving toward the left pylon. The Patriots are leading, I believe, by 10 at the time, or is it 7 at the time? I can't remember. It is, uh, I believe, 27 to 17, and the Jets are about to cut it to a three-point lead. And as he's going in, 
he juggles the ball just a little bit and I think scores a touchdown. Now, you can agree or disagree about whether he scored a touchdown. I think the only thing you could say on that play is there's not a touchdown. If you were going to review it and change the call on the field, first of all, I don't think there's anything that was indisputable about the play review, but if you were going to change it, I think the only thing you could change is you could maybe put the ball inside the one and say he didn't quite get in. Instead, the instant replay review says that he's fumbling the football, which there is, I mean, he's juggling it as he goes out of bounds a little bit, but it looks like he still has full control of it. And it's not like he's reaching out for the pylon. He's got the ball down around his waist, and they give the ball to Patriots as a touchback. Maybe the worst call I've ever seen in NFL history, at least since, certainly, there has been replay, which is designed to avoid this kind of thing from ever happening. I I, I don't know what the official response is going to be to explain how this happened, but this is literally the reason why you have replay, to ensure that something like this never happens. And so I want to, before I get into anything else, I, I, I'm still in disbelief over what I saw there. I have no idea how it could have happened. All right, that's me on the soapbox for what I think was the worst call I've seen in an instant replay era. Indefensible. The NFL is going to have to review this and figure out how this error could happen and in some form or fashion avoid something like this ever happening again. Because can you imagine if a call like that happened in a playoff game? God forbid it happened in the Super Bowl. I don't know that in our modern era, the NFL could ever recover from an event like that when it comes to trusting officiating. If that would have been a really massive game, and I know a lot of you are watching the Jets-Patriots game, not to say it's an insignificant game, but at least it's week six, seven of the NFL season. So by and large, a lot of people are just going to have this story fade But, man, I got to tell you, that was an indefensible decision. All right, big stories take away from college football. Clemson, Washington State, Auburn, and Washington all lose in the top 10. Great stat I saw out there. If you had put $100 down on the money line for Clemson to lose, Washington State to lose, Auburn to lose, and Washington to lose, you would have made over $250,000 back if you'd put $100 down on the upsets there, on Syracuse winning, on California winning, on LSU winning, and on Arizona State winning, you would have made $250,000. That throws everything into an uproar when you look at the overall uh, picture in college football. As a result of that playoff picture changing completely, I think actually the SEC and the Big Ten both have chances to get two teams in. And I actually think in particular, you almost would have to make the SEC a favorite right now to get two teams in. Because I think Alabama, if you saw them against Arkansas, and if you're going to watch them again against Tennessee, where they've opened as a 34-point favorite, I think Alabama is going to beat the crap out of Tennessee. I don't think that Auburn on the road, which is the big kind of stumbling point, I would say, on the schedule remaining for both Georgia and Alabama, is going to be as tough as we thought. I don't see 
either one of those teams losing to Auburn. And if that's the case, I think there's a pretty good chance that both Alabama and Georgia are 12-0 and when they reach the SEC title game. And that whoever wins that SEC title game, I don't know that you're able to bump either of those teams out of the top four. Let's talk about specifically Georgia. If Georgia was 12-0 and and lost to Alabama in the SEC title game, they still would have beaten Notre Dame, who might well end up 11-1. and They still would have beaten Georgia Tech, who's going to be a borderline top 25 team. Tough loss for Georgia Tech against Miami. Georgia Tech would be undefeated right now, if apologies to Georgia Tech fans, if college football games were only 59 minutes long. Because remember, they lost by one point to Tennessee, and now they've lost by one point to Miami. And they would have gone 8-1, and one, this is the Georgia Bulldogs, in the SEC in general, with only a loss to Bama in a neutral site game. And on the flip side, Alabama's the best team in college football. I don't think anybody out there can dispute that. You know who the second best team in college football right now is? I think it's probably Ohio State. We'll see whether or not that holds up on October 28th when Penn State travels to Happy Va- travels to the shoe in Columbus to see what happens. But to me, Georgia, Bama are in the mix, and the other two teams that are in the mix, Ohio State and Penn State. I think on October 28th, Ohio State is going to beat Penn State in Columbus. I also think that Penn State is going to beat the crap out of Michigan this weekend in Happy Valley. I think there's a good chance that Penn State goes 11-1. and I think there's a very good chance that Ohio State goes 12-1. and If that happens, and Penn State's only loss is on the road against Ohio State, and Ohio State comes back and finishes 12-1, and and we'll see what happens in the Big 12, we'll see what happens in the Pac-12, and we'll see what happens in the ACC. But all of those losses made it less likely that the ACC, the Big 12, and the Pac-12 will actually get teams into the playoff. Doesn't mean I don't think they will. Just means they think that it's less likely. Washington lost their mulligan. Clemson lost their mulligan. As a result, those conferences are in worse shape than they were before. And finally, it is hot seat season, and there are a lot of coaches that are on the absolute hot seat. Tennessee, with their loss to South Carolina, I think Butch Jones is completely done, and that if the athletic director has any balls at all, go ahead and say it, any balls at all, then he will fire John Curry. John Curry will fire Butch Jones after Tennessee loses by 40 at Alabama this weekend. Go ahead and fire Butch Jones. Your team is 3-4. and There's nothing left to be seen there. Get rid of Butch Jones. Nebraska, I don't know at this point how in the world you can justify bringing back Mike Riley. Tennessee and Nebraska, two storied programs with awful coaches right now. After what I saw in both of those games, Ohio State dominates on the road at Nebraska and South Carolina finds a way to win. I don't think Tennessee or Nebraska can keep their coaches. UCLA, Jim Mora trending towards being fired. Arkansas. I don't know how you keep Brett Bielema. We'll see what happens this weekend against Auburn. Meanwhile, there are also a lot of other schools out there whose coaches seem like they were in decent shape that now, not so much. Auburn, I don't know what's going to happen with Gus Malzahn, but going up 20 to nothing and finding a way to lose to LSU, that's impossible to to defend. How about Florida? 
Think about Florida. They could be 1-5 very easily. Jim McElwain's team, not good. Big win for Texas A&M. Tremendous loss for the Gators. And we'll see what happens with Mizzou. They finally have some winnable games. But year two for Barry Odom, not going well. All of those schools, hot seat talk, big time. We'll get to the NFL next. My three takeaways in addition to the fact that the decision in that New England and Jets game is one of the worst decisions, if not the worst. I think it's the worst in a instant replay era that I've ever seen. I'll get to the NFL review coming up next. Thanks for hanging out with us. I'm Clay Travis. You can load up the phone lines and react for when I finish with my NFL decisions and discussion 877-996-6369. I am Clay Travis. This is Outkick the Coverage. It's Monday, and you're spending your time with the best show anywhere in the country to start your day. Great news. Quick way you could save money, switch to Geico. Go to geico.com, and in 15 minutes, you could save 15% or more on car insurance. As well, with TrueCar, you can find out what other people in your area paid for the same car you're looking for, and on average, save over three grand off MSRP. Whether you're looking for a new or used car, visit TrueCar to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. It's a confident show. I hope your Monday is going spectacularly well. I'm going to Monday Night Football tonight. We'll see what happens. Marcus Mariota and the Titans trying to end a long stretch of futility against the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, We will see. But the big takeaways from the NFL, if you're just tuning in, go download the podcast. We started off talking about the big takeaways from college football. In the NFL, I think the number one takeaway has to be that Aaron Rodgers is out for the season. What are the Packers going to do at the quarterback position? Do they make a call to Tony Romo, try to pull him out of the booth? Do they decide to reach out to Colin Kaepernick? Do they decide to go with Brett Hundley, uh, the former UCLA quarterback who is their backup right now? I think it's fair to say that effectively, at least for the moment, the Packers season seems to have come to a close they're four and two. They were in good shape in that game. Probably would have moved to five and one. Instead, they lose, and I don't know what's going to happen with their season. But I think this is the perfect example of how every NFL season is basically riding on your quarterback's health. And especially if you have a good quarterback, if he gets injured, your season's effectively over. Stinks for the Packers. Stinks for anybody out there who is a fan of the NFL to have Aaron Rodgers go from the penthouse on his drive against the uh, Cowboys and the final two-minute drive and then get injured in that game is just uh, it's just tough to follow. Um, and so for Packer fans out there everywhere, I think the number one story has to be Aaron Rodgers out for the season. Best wide receiver, Odell Beckham Jr., uh, also Odell Beckham uh, out for the season, and we've got the best defensive end in – J.J. Watt out for the season, the best safety, and Eric Berry out for the season. I mean, you can just run through the list. It's been a really difficult situation for everybody out there who's an NFL fan when it comes to major injuries. Uh, Number two, big takeaway, Steelers. I, I, I think in general you can just say that to me the NFL is impossible to predict. It is impossible to predict what's going to happen on a week-to-week basis in the NFL. College football, to me, I like to gamble it. Even though I haven't been great at gambling this year, I'm right at 50%. Uh, I think I can get hot here in the back half of the season. But college football, I feel like I know roughly what's going to happen in games. I can look at it. It doesn't mean there's not upsets. Look, I mean, there were huge upsets in terms of Syracuse getting the win, in in terms of uh, Washington State losing at Cal. 
uh, Auburn losing to LSU, and Washington getting the big win, uh, losing, losing, I should say, Arizona State getting the big win. Those are big upsets. But I don't feel like they're as unpredictable as, let's say, the Giants going on the road and dominating against the Broncos. I don't think they're as unpredictable as the Steelers coming back and getting a massive win after looking like they, that Ben Roethlisberger's career is basically over. They come back and go on the road and don't just beat the Chiefs. In the first half, the Chiefs look like they are incompetent. They don't look like the best team in the NFL. They look like one of the worst. In the NFL, it's just amazing week to week what happens. But the Steelers go on the road against the Chiefs and outgain them by nearly 200 yards. And finally, I, I have no idea what's going on here. And our guy Danny G is out for a couple of days, so I can't even discuss it with him. The Raiders have lost four in a row now. I have no idea what's up with Amari Cooper or what's up with the Raiders. But they've gone from, after the first two weeks of the season, looking like a Super Bowl team to now looking like they don't even belong in the playoffs. Meanwhile, by the way, nice win for the Rams, bouncing back from a tough loss against the Seahawks, going on the road and beating the Jags. I have no idea what the situation is right now in the NFL. No idea who's good. I didn't even mention it, but what about the Falcons giving up a 17-point home lead? and having the Dolphins come storming back, Jay Cutler and co., to win 20-17 to there. How about the Ravens losing at home to Mitch Trubisky and the Bears? Uh, again, I'm going to Monday Night Football tonight, and I have absolutely no idea whatsoever what might happen. Okay, so those are my big three takeaways in college football and my big three takeaways in the NFL. Let's bring in my guy, Jason Martin. I obviously hit on a ton of different storylines across college football and the NFL what stands out to you or what do you want to build on that I hit on? The biggest thing is not knowing what's going on in the NFL because that's what I'm sitting there watching the red zone because the Titans are on on Monday. So I just sat and watched red zone all day yesterday, basically for seven hours. And it was unpredictable and fun in that regard. Like what what's happened to the Lions? Like all of a sudden they give up 50 points, over 50 points to the Saints. We know the Saints offense is there, but good lord and then the Falcons like you said my Broncos last night that was a putrid performance you look at the stats I mean Eli Manning didn't even throw for 150 yards in that game and they still win it by 13 points I what I kept saying and I said it out loud a few times while watching Red Zone is we have no idea are any of these teams any good the only team right now that I, I well look Kansas City I'm not terribly surprised that the Steelers had a little bit of pride and showed up but to do it in Arrowhead and to dominate them in the way that they seem to dominate them that was impressive but I look at the league right now and I say man Philadelphia is the only team right now and if you look at other than the Panthers game and I'm not sure Carolina is great other than that win nothing the Eagles have done is particularly impressive either so you look at the league I don't know who's good I don't know if anybody's good I definitely thought to myself anybody betting on the NFL that's just insane at this point because it doesn't matter. Like week to week, an undefeated team can go down. A team with no wins at all can go to one of the toughest places in the league and win on Sunday night football with their top four wide receivers out of that game and still win it 23-10. to 10. I have no clue. And then the other thing, and you, you mentioned obviously Syracuse and Clemson, but what's your take on Kelly Bryant being in that game 
and some of the criticism that was lodged at Dabo Swinney because there was definitely some of that after that after that injury that certainly put them in a position to lose that game. I, I don't, in general, get into guys being in games because or not being in games because, frankly, I just of, of all the things that you can criticize, to me being able to diagnose somebody from television based on their health status is insanely difficult. And so I think you have to trust the teams, even though it may not be trustworthy. I think you have to trust the teams to be able to go through the concussion protocol and the injury protocol and everything else. And, I mean, I, I think we came back last last week and talked about the Sam Bradford thing. Unless I can see a guy out there and he literally looks like he's dead on his feet, almost like a boxer who can't stand up and defend himself, I think that's the only time when I've ever said, you know what, like that guy shouldn't be out there. I, I agree with you on the NFL in general. I, I The only thing I'm very confident on is I'm sorry, Browns fans. The Browns are awful. And I don't know at what point you just have to fire Hugh Jackson because what is he now, like 2-20 and 20 or whatever the math is on that? He's coach and, of the year, though, Robert. He, yeah, Robert's not here, so he can't even – oh, is it Robert who said no, that? No, he's here. No, Robert's and, uh, here. Why that might be the worst stuff? the worst call in the history of, of this radio show. Hey, last year's did not this year. So at what point do you just have to fire him because that's kind of the, the, the process that you go through? Look, I mean, I know Deshaun Watson continues to get better and better. I think there are a lot of people out there who watched college football and said, this is insane that so many teams are passing on him in an era when all that matters is your quarterback. Just take a chance on him. See if he's the right guy. I think he's going to do well for the Texans. We'll see. I always hate to get on too much of the bandwagon in year one in call, in the NFL because people will adjust. But he looks fantastic so far in year one. Um, and Houston is is three and three. I think the Titans will win tonight. AFC South will be a big muddle. That's three and three. But I think that's representative of the league at large. I don't know who's good. I don't know who's bad other than the Cleveland Browns, even the 49ers, who are also 0-6, every game that they have played has been insanely close. You could flip a coin and that team could be 3-3, three and three, even 4-2. and two. They're not awful in terms of not being able to compete. I just I have no idea what's going on. Let's bring in the crew out in L.A., where, by the way, people are still celebrating because the L.A. Dodgers are up 2-0, Robert, what's the vibe out there on the Dodgers being up 2 nothing after a long, long time? The Dodgers can literally smell the World Series, at least in terms of how excited they are. Are people starting to get uh, starting to get fired up, or is there still so much trepidation and discomfort about the idea they can blow this 2 nothing lead? Clay, I haven't seen the city buzz like this since maybe 2001 when the Lakers in the middle of that three-peat because they'd been in a drought, you know, from winning. And so during the year, even though the Dodgers were the best regular season team, you saw people kind of excited, kind of building up. But they all knew, hey, you know, in the playoffs, we don't really do so well. Kershaw doesn't really do too well. And then all of a sudden, this team kept winning these one-run game after another, after another, after another. So even as you got into the playoffs, you think, well, you know, yeah, they're winning, but can we win like that in the playoffs? It's it's usually going to regress back to the mean. Well, apparently they can win like that in the playoffs because they've won every single conceivable way throughout the first five games. And even driving in uh, today to the studio at 2 in the morning, you see people still driving with their Dodger flags on the freeway. I mean, it, it's it's building. It's, it's an incredible feeling here in L.A., and uh, we'll see if they can finish it off. 
No doubt at all. Uh, Sam, any big takeaways from you from the weekend that was in college football in the NFL? Uh, uh, I mean, listen, the NFL, it's one week. It's, it's, you don't know what to think. You can't make predictions. I go, I go 500 just because I get one thing right. And then, uh, a lock, uh, turns out to, you know, stab you in the back. So, uh, no, I, I mean, listen, the, I'm a Packers fan. The Rogers loss, it, it makes me, my interest in the NFL, uh, go down uh, a little bit. I'm a college football fan first and foremost. Uh, grew up in Big Ten country, so for me, it's like I'm a Packers fan just sort of casually. But since 2003, and it's become more and more since Rodgers is kind of like the the Favre 2.0. I mean, a lot less interceptions. So for him to go out, he's a magic man. For him to go out, it's it's bad for the NFL because they need guys like him to bring in casual uh, eyeballs. All right, uh, quick news as we're probably shifting right now. 218 on satellite radio. I should have mentioned this before. We're back on satellite radio for all three hours. Sirius Channel 218, XM Channel 202. So as we go, they're going to kick us right. They're going to kick out on Channel 83. You can flip it up to Channel 218 and Channel 202 if you have XM. 218 on Sirius, 202 on XM. We should be there and good to go. Uh, I am Clay Travis. Let's bring in my guy, uh, Eddie Garcia, find out what's going on in the world of sports. Well, there's a lot going on, Clay. We'll start with postseason baseball. Game two, National League Championship Series. Dodgers beat the Cubs 4-1. Thanks to the bat of Justin Turner, he drove in all four runs for L.A., including a three-run walk-off homer off John Lackey in the bottom of the ninth. So L.A. now has that 2-0 series lead. Game three will be Tuesday in Chicago. Sunday's action from week six in the NFL. Let's start with Sunday night where the Giants stunned the Broncos in Denver 23-10. That's New York's first win of the season. In the late game, Steelers go to Kansas City and the Chiefs their first loss of the season 19-13. Chargers get a field goal as time expires to beat the Raiders in Oakland 17-16. The Cardinals down the Buccaneers 38-33. In his Arizona debut, running back Adrian Peterson had 134 yards and two touchdowns. Rams over the Jaguars in Jacksonville 27-17. Early games, Vikings down the Packers 23-10. It was the Dolphins who uh, were down 17-0 at the half, come back and beat the Falcons in Atlanta 20-17. Patriots are down 14-0 in New York. They rally back and beat the Jets 24-17. Saints in a wild win over the Lions 52-38. New Orleans defense actually scored three touchdowns in that one. Overtime for the Bears to beat the Ravens in Baltimore, 27-24. Texans over the Browns, 33-17. Deshaun Watson, three touchdowns for Houston. And the Redskins down the 49ers, 26-24. And uh, Clay, of course, the injury news, the big news from week six in the NFL with Aaron Rodgers going down with a broken collarbone. They're saying he could miss the rest of the season, but he'll miss several weeks at least. Jameis Winston, the quarterback in Tampa Bay, was knocked out of their game against Arizona with a shoulder injury. He'll have an MRI later today. Running back Leonard Fournette for Jacksonville knocked out of their game with an ankle injury. He'll be examined later today. And uh, tonight, it is Monday Night Football. The Titans taking on the Colts and quarterback Marcus Mariota expected to play for Tennessee after missing last week with a hamstring injury. Good deal indeed. Like I said, I'll be at Monday Night Football tonight. We're coming to you live from the Geico Outkick Studios where everybody's got a to-do list. Drop off the dry cleaning, pick up some milk. Here's an idea. Let's add, save hundreds of dollars on car insurance. And the good thing is you don't have to drop off or pick up anything. All you have to do is go to geico.com, and in 15 minutes you could be saving 15% or more on car insurance. 
extra money in your pocket. It just may be the most rewarding to-do you do today. We get so many questions about that serious satellite radio uh, situation. I'm glad that it's working. If it's working, tweet me. Already a bunch of people are letting me know they're listening now. 202 on XM, 218 on Sirius. Uh, flip it up there and check it out. Send me a picture. Let me know if it's working for you for both Sirius and XM. This is actually kind of funny. We're in an age where everybody apologizes for everything. Last night, I don't know if you heard it, but Al Michaels on uh, Sunday Night Football and on NBC made a Harvey Weinstein joke, which was uh, immediately Twitter, like everybody grabbed their pearls and fainted on the couch and said, oh my God, how in the world can we have, how, how can we live in a world where someone could make a Harvey Weinstein joke? Uh, here is that audio. And then do we also have the apology? Because Al Michaels had to apologize. I actually thought it was pretty funny. Here's Al Michaels last night talking about the, uh, the, the road that the New York Giants have been on. I mean, let's face it, the Giants are coming off a worse week than Harvey Weinstein. And they're up by 14 points. Only my L.A. guy comes up with that well, one. Well, you know. There you go. All you have to do is read the papers, <laughs> any paper. He uh, later came back and apologized for that. I actually thought that was kind of funny. Look, I mean, that is, I don't know what era we have entered where guys are like, people are just perpetually offended. Why is everybody like uh, always demanding everybody get fired? I can't believe that so-and-so said that. That's unacceptable. Fire them, everything else. Just deal with it, right? I mean, that's kind of a funny line. He's not comparing uh, Harvey Weinstein's, you know, like it's a joke, right? It's not that serious of a joke. Get over it. Anyway, Al Michaels had to come back and apologize later for that. Hopefully he doesn't end up getting fired. Everybody on social media is so angry about everything every single day. I'll tell you what I'm angry about. It's how bad Tennessee and Nebraska have become at football. Guys, look, I'm not saying that Nebraska is ever going to be great again at college football. I think the decision to go to the Big Ten was a bad one. I think it cut off their recruiting angle to the state of Texas and Oklahoma and all points south. I think there's a lot of people who don't really care about most of the rivalries that exist in the Big Ten. Nebraska has got a lot more money, but they've got a lot less relevance, I think, in general, because they fit in better in the Big 12 than they do in the Big 10. But I like it when Nebraska is good. I think it's good for college football when big-time, strong programs are strong. And you guys know I feel the same way about the University of Tennessee. And Butch Jones is so thoroughly incompetent that, to me, both Nebraska and Tennessee are representative of the number one lesson in college football right now which is you're only as good as your coach. If Urban Meyer was the coach of Tennessee or Nebraska, Tennessee and Nebraska would win national championships. If Nick Saban was the coach of Nebraska or Tennessee, Tennessee and Nebraska would win national championships. What, to me, Nebraska and Tennessee represent is the failure of athletic directors to bring in coaches who can win at a high level. To me, if I'm Nebraska right now, and Nebraska just hired the athletic director from Washington State, this is a no-brainer. I go hire Mike Leach. If I don't hire Mike Leach, I bring Scott Frost back from down at Central Florida where he's winning at a pretty high level. Those are my two choices there. I'd also make a reach out to Chip Kelly, see whether or not he might be interested. I think Nebraska is going to get a really good coach. Similarly, I think Tennessee is going to get a really good coach this time, but their athletic director has to get some balls and they have to go ahead and fire Butch Jones. I've been on the anti-Butch Jones train for a long time. I don't think the guy is smart. I don't think he's talented. I don't think he is a very good representative for Tennessee. And I've been making this analogy for a long time. There are two things that stood out when Butch Jones had me up to Knoxville 
to try and give me the dog and pony show to convince me that he was going to win at a high level at Tennessee. And I think this is instructive in general for a lot of different college football programs because college football, your coach is effectively like your quarterback in the NFL. You know how uh, Aaron Rodgers got injured for the Green Bay Packers and now Green Bay is not going to be any good? That's what happens when you go from a good coach to a bad coach in college football. And so, Butch Jones brings me up. I go around looking at all these brand new facilities that are just about to open at Tennessee. They've spent hundreds of millions of dollars on the facilities. And I'm in the bathroom in the main you know, player bathroom, and there's a urine chart right above me. Urine chart. And it's about what color is your urine. And, and it's like a big deal what color your urine is, such that Butch Jones spends all day talking about the urine chart. He's got limited number of hours that he can lead practice, and he is in practice talking about what color urine guys are. Can, and he walks up to a player, and he's like, hey, what's going on? He's like, I can see it in your eyes. You haven't been drinking enough water. Your urine's too, too, I mean, too dark. I mean, seriously, this is what Butch Jones is saying in practice, walking around with a microphone. And, like, I remember turning to the guys I was with there, and I'm like, he really believes this urine thing. He's obsessed with how much water the players are drinking. And to the point where he's walking around out there talking about what color urine they've got. I, I, was, I was in disbelief of all the things you could be coaching. And then, after that, he takes us around on a tour, and there's a bench press. And the bench press, uh, you know, the, the bench machines are all right beside this new juice bar. And I swear to God, he spends like 15 minutes talking about the juice bar. How much difference the juice bar is going to make, how they can make mango smoothies, how they can make all these different types of different smoothies right there. He's like, guy can be on a bench press. He can stand up. He can walk over to the juice bar, and he can get a brand new smoothie. Think about how much of a difference that's going to make. He can get a protein smoothie. He can get a lean uh, lean mass smoothie. He can get a, a mango smoothie. He can get a, a kale smoothie. Uh, how cool is this going to be? This is going to be a difference maker for the program. And I'm standing there, and I'm like, this juice bar ain't beating Nick Saban. If you are trying to sell me facilities, you ain't going to win at a high level in major college football. And I've been saying it ever since then. It's a good catchphrase that I would encourage you guys to bring to bear. Anytime somebody tries to tell you something that doesn't matter actually matters, say, don't juice bar me, bro. That juice bar ain't beating Nick Saban. Butch Jones is a joke. He should have been fired after the 41 nothing biggest defeat since 1905. He should have been fired after this loss to South Carolina. If John Curry, the athletic director at Tennessee, does not fire Butch Jones after Alabama beats Tennessee by 40 points, then I think Tennessee is going to do what they do. Going to go out and get a coach who can't win at a high level, and they're going to blow their opportunity to pursue Chip Kelly. We're going to take your calls. I've talked a great deal setting the table for the NFL and college football. 877-996-6369. Remember, we're now on Sirius XM channel 218 uh, and XM channel 202. Tweet me if it's working for you and if we're back now for all three hours. I'm Clay Travis. This is Outkick the Coverage. Thanks for hanging with us on a spectacular Monday in October. It's time for the Geico play of the day. Yesterday was the NFL's day, but last night belonged to Justin Turner. Turner with a fly ball, the center field. It's way back at the wall. A three-run walk-off home run for Justin Turner. The Dodgers are up two games to none, and they are going crazy. 
That audio, courtesy of our flagship AM570 LA Sports and the Dodgers Radio Network, a walk-off three-run home run off John Lackey in the bottom of the ninth for Turner. Cubs now trail the Dodgers to zip as the series moves to Wrigley. The Dodgers just two games away from returning to the World Series for the first time since 1988. L.A. is in love. That's your Geico play of the day. Great news. Quick way you could save money. Switch to Geico. Go to geico.com, and in 15 minutes, you could save 15% or more on car insurance. And uh, that is the news there. By the way, want to touch a little bit, and we'll probably take some calls on this. Again, our phone number, 877-996-6369. Colin Kaepernick has filed a grievance um, alleging that there is collusion that has kept him from becoming an NFL football player. I don't see this as being a very likely uh, successful story. Just a couple of details on this. It is now the grievance process is arbitration. So it's not as if this is a lawsuit that will turn into a massive multi-year event. It is a grievance proceeding, which will take place in an arbitration context. That matters. Again, I'm putting my lawyer hat on here. That matters because it's not as if there's going to be some massive round of discovery or that you have to show up and be subpoenaed and everything else and be deposed. I think the likelihood of Colin Kaepernick finding anything here is extremely low unless there are NFL owners emailing each other saying, ha ha, I'm not going to hire Colin Kaepernick. You make sure that you don't hire Colin Kaepernick either. It's going to be almost impossible to prove this at all. And the general rule here is it requires multiple owners or an owner in a league. It would require basically there being email evidence that owners are conspiring not to hire Colin Kaepernick. And I don't think that's what's happening here. I think owners are making the decision not to hire Colin Kaepernick because he's bad for their business. And maybe somebody else is going to get desperate enough. Maybe it'll be the Packers. Maybe somebody will get desperate enough to go hire Colin Kaepernick. But I think the idea that there's collusion is laughable. I think Colin Kaepernick, when he took a knee, drastically overrated his own value. I've been saying this for a long time. If Aaron Rodgers were healthy and he took a knee because he believed that America was unfairly treating ISIS, there would still be a lot of NFL teams that would line up to sign uh, sign Aaron Rodgers. And the reason is because he's such a good quarterback that his politics wouldn't matter. But when you are Colin Kaepernick, and you are mediocre at best, and you are a backup quarterback now at best, and you got beaten out last year by Blaine Gabbert, and you call police officers modern-day slave catchers, and you wear socks with the police depicted as pigs, and your girlfriend calls the owner of the Baltimore Ravens a slave master and says that Ray Lewis is an Uncle Tom, and when you say that Fidel Castro is someone that the United States should emulate, there are plenty of reasons why lots of teams across the NFL don't want to sign you, and your talent does not exceed your problems. I think that Colin Kaepernick is not talented enough to be a starting quarterback in the NFL. I think he is not good enough to overcome the distraction that he brings and the negative business that he brings for taking a knee and being a backup. And I think that's the simple truth of the matter. And I've been saying it for a long time. That is the situation with Colin Kaepernick. There's no grand conspiracy. There's no massive uh, goal by the NFL to keep him out of the league. As I pointed out before, Every other player who has taken a knee, every single one of them is currently employed in the NFL. 
It's not taking the knee that's the issue. I think it's Colin Kaepernick never telling his side of the story. I think calling police officers modern-day slave catchers is probably the dumbest single statement that I have seen any player make in the history of the NFL. I wouldn't employ Colin Kaepernick to write at my site. I'll kick the coverage. I wouldn't employ him to work on this radio show. Irrespective of whether or not he's good enough to talk on the radio with me, I think it would be bad for business. I really do. And I'm in the business of trying to entertain as many people every single day as I can. And I think that would alienate a large segment of our audience. If I would not hire him to be on my radio show, why in the world would an NFL team do the same? I think this entire collusion argument is going to be a joke. I think he's just an attempt to keep his name in the public eye, and I think he's going to fail. I don't think there's any doubt about it. Again, I'm putting my lawyer hat on here. Absent there actually being emails from one owner to another or from the league to ownership saying, do not sign Colin Kaepernick because he's bad for NFL business, I don't think that it's going to happen at all. Now, the fact that he opted out of his contract is not something that's significant here. I do think it hurts him overall. I do think it hurts him in the eyes of the general public. He opted out of his contract because he believed the 49ers were going to cut him. But I think perception for him, if you were going back in time, would have been better if he had had everybody just wait and said, I'm going to wait until they cut me. And then when the 49ers cut me, I will actually end up uh, looking like I'm more of a pariah and less of a uh, less of a reason for me to have been kicked to the curb. 877-996-6369. I'll take your calls. You can react to anything in the world of college football or the NFL. I'll hit you at the beginning of hour two. We'll also run through the outkick top 10 in college football. A lot of movement there. Who do I believe should be the four that are in the playoff right now if the season ended? We're amazingly seven-twelfths of the way through the college football season. Many teams by Saturday will have played two-thirds of their schedule, including the Alabamas of the world that have not had a bye week yet. Pretty crazy to think about how much of the season is already passed in the NFL, but certainly in college football. Your call is coming up next, 877-996-6369. Tweet me. Let me know if Channel 218 on Sirius is working for you, if Channel 202 is working for you on XM. A lot of people sending in the XM tweets. Is the Sirius channel up and running? I'm told that it's supposed to be. We're now on all three hours every day from here forward on satellite radio. I am Clay Travis. Thanks to all of you for hanging with me on a perfect Monday in October. Live from the Geico Outkick Studios, 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Visit geico.com for a free rate quote. Thank you for hanging with us here on Outkick. Start your Monday off with a bang. We ran through all the big stories in my mind from the NFL and college football in uh, the week that just passed on Saturday and Sunday. I'd encourage you guys to go download the podcast, as millions of you are doing every single month. You can find it on Outkick on iTunes. Just look it up. You can also see my afternoon show uh, every day at 3 o'clock Eastern, noon Pacific, I come live on Facebook and Periscope to react to the biggest news of the day that's taken place since we finished this show. And I want to thank again uh, Sirius Satellite Radio. XM202 seems to be working flawlessly for a lot of people. Uh, Sirius 218 not coming in for a lot of people. I don't know what's going on. 
I never understand how technology works. My only solution anytime something doesn't work is turn it off and try it again. So, uh, But some people are saying that you can find on Sirius. Jason Martin, you just kind of follow this and stay on top of it here. Um, you can find it on channel 962. Go check my mentions. If you're on Twitter and you're interested, I don't know what channel 962 is, but a bunch of people are sending me a screen grab of 962. XM, if you have XM, it's working flawlessly on channel 202. I'm not sure about channel 218 right now, but again, I would encourage you to check out, some people are saying check out Sirius XM channel 962. So try that if you're in satellite radio and you're trying to find that. Okay, uh, it is time for, and we'll continue to get this thing resolved. We're moving in the right direction anyway. We're moving in the right direction that a lot of you are able to find it. A lot of you are tweeting. You can tweet me the picture if you're able to uh, to listen now on satellite radio. Glad to get that resolved for many of you. All right, time for the Outkick Top 10. Do we have music for the Outkick Top 10? I think we do. There's the melodic tunes of the Outkick Top 10. Uh, number 10. Look, you know, it's rare that I say this. But I think that Notre Dame may be the most underlooked, most disrespected, overlooked, maybe is the word better than underlooked, uh, most overlooked team in college football right now. The Irish are 5-1, and one, and in their final six, they've got a heck of a lot of good teams coming, starting with USC coming to town this weekend. Notre Dame's 5-1. and one. They've won every game by 20 or more points, except for their one-point loss to Georgia. And Georgia, by the way, looks pretty good. Scored 40 or more four different times so far. Notre Dame, I think, has an outside chance to make the playoff. Guys, look at the games that they have left in their final six. When I count Navy, even though Navy lost to Memphis, five of their final six are really good. Let's see if I can manage to hit this without screwing it up. They've got USC. They've got NC State. They've got Miami. They've got Navy. And they have got uh, one more good team out there. That uh, that's name is escaping me at the moment, but they have got five of their final six are basically borderline top 25-ish teams. And so when you look at this Notre Dame schedule down the stretch, this is a team that if they go 11-1 and are going to be in the mix to make the playoff. Again, they have got a loaded schedule and they've still got a lot of opportunities to make a statement starting with USC this weekend. Down the stretch, five of Notre Dame's final six borderline top 25 opponents. That's going to make a big difference, including, by the way, a potential rematch of Catholics versus convicts in November where Miami could be undefeated. Clemson. I'm dropping the Tigers all the way to number nine. I don't think they're out of the playoff uh, picture. Far from it. They basically have a mulligan. They lost on the road at Syracuse. Dino Baber's crew, huge win for Syracuse. I think Clemson still... If they run the table from here, this loss will not matter at all. But they gave up their mulligan. They've got no other misses. This is alarming a little bit if you're a Clemson fan because you still have NC State. And potentially you're going to get Miami in the ACC title game or NC State. Uh, That NC State game, maybe you don't even make the ACC title game. So I'd be nervous a little bit if I'm a Clemson fan. Number eight, nobody's paying attention to Wisconsin because Wisconsin doesn't play anybody. I told you before the season that Wisconsin was my pick to win the Big Ten because I felt more confident about Wisconsin winning the Big Ten than I did anybody else because the Big Ten East is so stacked. The Big Ten West is a collection of much lesser teams. I believe Wisconsin is going to win the Big Ten West. I think they're actually going to be 12-0 when they play in the playoff against either Penn State or Ohio State, I think is the most likely winner of the Big Ten East. At seven, the Miami Hurricanes. Mark Rick, the year two. 
decent chance that Miami is going to be the representative of the ACC Coastal. And if that happens, man, Miami's not only in the mix potentially to win the ACC Coastal, they're in the mix to win the ACC and potentially make the playoff as well in year two of Mark Rick. Number six overall, you know what? I think Ohio State might be the second best team in college football right now. I know they lost a home game to Oklahoma. I know they did not look good in that performance. I know JT Barrett was not very good. JT Barrett has looked a lot better since then. Last three weeks, Ohio State has been downright dominant. I know the team hasn't been great, but you go on the road and you destroy Rutgers, then you destroy Maryland, and now you destroy Nebraska. We'll see what happens with that big game they're preparing for. I believe Ohio State on a bye week this coming week to get ready for Penn State. I think Ohio State wins that game. I think Ohio State runs the table the rest of the way and is 11-1 playing against 12-0 Wisconsin in the Big Ten title game. Uh, At number five overall, Oklahoma. Oklahoma, the Sooners got a nice win over Texas in the big uh, Red River rivalry, the Red River shootout, whatever you want to call it. Uh, It's an awesome game to go to if you have the chance sometime to go to Oklahoma and to Texas. I was impressed with uh, Sam Bradford and co. bouncing back after losing as a 31-point favorite. Oklahoma, similar to Clemson, they, they got their mulligan loss, but they have no other mulligans left on the table here. Got to go 12-1, and one, including beating TCU in Norman and then probably beating TCU again in the Big 12 title game, which I think most likely is going to end up TCU against Oklahoma. Uh, in terms of uh, other games here, as we move up on our list, Oklahoma number five, if you're just getting in your car, my top 10, number 10, Notre Dame, number nine, Clemson, number eight, Wisconsin, number seven, Miami, number six, Ohio State, number five, Oklahoma, number four, Penn State. I think Penn State is going to blow out Michigan this weekend in Happy Valley, get their revenge for last year's game. That line opened around Penn State, a 10-point favorite. I think the Nittany Lions are going to blow out Michigan this weekend. Unfortunately, I think Penn State's going to lose on the road at Ohio State if you're a Nittany Lion fan, but enjoy this weekend because I think James Franklin's team is going to kick the crap out of Jim Harbaugh's team. Number three overall, I've got TCU. I said I think we're going to get a rematch. TCU against Oklahoma is my prediction for the Big 12. You know you're going to get a rematch because every team plays every other team in the Big 12. So we'll see what happens with that rematch. But right now I've got TCU number three overall. Nice win. I've got them big, by the way, over Kansas this weekend. Poor bastard Jayhawks are in for a beatdown. Number two, Georgia Bulldogs. I think the SEC has got a very good chance to get two different teams into the playoff this year. Georgia and Alabama, I think, are going to be 12-0 each when they get to the SEC title game. That's why the top two teams in the OutKick Top 10 are both from the SEC. Alabama Crimson Tide remains number one uh, with a bullet. They're 34-point favorites over Tennessee. They were 37-point favorites over Arkansas. The Alabama Crimson Tide... I think, going to beat the crap out of Butch Jones' Tennessee Volunteers this weekend and send Butch Jones into SEC coaching retirement. All right, that is the OutKick Top 10. Jason Martin, any disagreements there? No, not really. I mean, after what happened this week, you just have to be kind of careful what you're doing, but it does look like there's Alabama and then there's Penn State and there's just about everybody else. The Washington State, I, you know, I, I said on Friday when you said what game I was looking to watch, I said, look, Cal's a pretty good football team. I'm curious about that one. Washington and Arizona State, that one just completely blew my mind. Obviously, the Clemson thing, nobody saw that coming either. But the Washington game, I didn't know Arizona State was good at all. And I was really behind Chris Peterson's team, and they looked like the class of a pretty bad conference. 
over there on the West Coast, and now all of a sudden, who knows what's going to happen in the Pac-12. Indeed. Uh, wh- what call should we go to? Let's go ahead and start the calls. 877-996-6369 is the phone number. Who should I go to first? Let's go to Brandon in Atlanta. Brandon in Atlanta. What's up, Brandon? Clay. Good yes. to talk to you this morning. Appreciate Ask you calling you in. How, always great to talk to you. Listen to you every day on Facebook Live. It's the comic uh, scene of my day every day. Uh, <laughs> Thanks, man. Ryan Fitzpatrick. Do you think he is equivalent, worse, or better than Colin Kaepernick? Uh, it's a good question. I mean, I think that Ryan Fitzpatrick, if you have a pro-style offensive attack, I mean, for people who watched him come in and replace Jameis Winston in that game against the uh, against the Phoenix Cardinals, I think he's better. If you told me right now I could have Ryan Fitzpatrick as my backup or Colin Kaepernick as my backup, I would take Ryan Fitzpatrick. Okay. I give him a slight edge over Kaepernick, too. And the dude is kind of a, a cockroach. He's not really great, but he's not awful. But he manages to just survive. And he has proved to me that if you are not a radioactive individual, you can survive as a backup quarterback in the league for a long time. I don't believe there's any collusion against Kaepernick. But I do believe that if you just don't make waves and don't do stupid stuff, you don't really have to be that good to be a number two in the NFL. And I'm going to Bama this week. I hope you're going to be there. And I hope this past weekend that uh, Nick Saban was going to get the fatty fatty of all fatties fired because I hate Brett Billman and all the trash he talked. But I do hope that he deep sixes Bush Jones for you and sends him into the to the abyss. And would you take Dino Babers as a coach? Uh, Dino Babers, look, uh, thanks thanks for the call. Dino Babers has been fantastic when it comes to just playing an exciting offensive brand of football. And his team goes on the road at Syracuse against Miami this weekend. I think that's one to pay attention to. Uh, would I take him as a coach? No. I mean, look, I, I think it depends on what you're – anytime you have a new coaching hire to make, whether you're Tennessee, whether you're Nebraska, whether you're Arkansas, whatever school you are out there, if you're unhappy with your current coach – I think you need to go into the coaching search with a ceiling and a floor. And I think a guy like Dino Babers is a floor. Not in a bad way for a program like Tennessee. I think you have to go into there saying, look, we're going after Chip Kelly. Maybe we'll make a call to John Gruden as well. Look, why not? Uh, We're going to ask a lot of different questions about who we can get. I, I am always of the opinion. I've been saying this for a long time. There's no harm in getting shot down by somebody that is really desirable. In other words, I always put it in the analogy, like there's all these athletic directors out there who are terrified of getting rejected. And the analogy I always use is, why are you afraid of getting it rejected? If you were out at the bar, would you rather approach the hottest girl and have her shoot you down, or would you rather immediately start with a mediocre girl, a five on the scale of one to ten, and feel like, oh, I'm glad this five is interested in me? I would rather start at the hottest girl in the bar, and if she says no to me, so what? Then I move to the next hottest girl at the bar. I don't understand this idea of, oh, you can't get rejected. I've been in favor of this idea for a long time. I would publicly offer the job to all the top guys out there in order. I would make my list, top eight. I would go out to them publicly, and I would say, hey, Chip Kelly, we're willing to pay you $6 million a year to come be the head coach at the University of Tennessee next year. If Chip Kelly says no, no problem. Move on down the list, right? I I don't understand this idea of, oh, you're going to embarrass the program if you get rejected. I disagree. I think you establish to your fan base how much you care 
if you start at the top and work your way down. And guess what? I wasn't my wife's top choice. I think she's pretty happy with me now. Most of you out there, probably not your wife's first choice. She's probably okay. She's at least dealing with the fact that her disappointment of being with you. By the way, great tweet uh, that I retweeted talking about Colin Kaepernick. And by the way, loaded up 877-996-6369 as we're about to go to break here. Uh, In what other profession can you perform your job terribly, ruin the entire company's brand, quit slash opt out of your contract, and then demand a job within the same company slash sue them? Ridiculous. I think that kind of sums up what Colin Kaepernick's decision-making has looked like pretty well. Uh, I am Clay Travis. I'll kick the coverage. Load up the phone lines, 877-996-6369. Going to talk about this ridiculous play call. I still can't believe that the NFL overturned it. Uh, and what happened in the Patriots-Jets game will also circle back around, continue to take your calls about the mess that was the college football weekend and also who in the world is actually good in the NFL. 877-996-6369. I'm Clay Travis. This is Outkick, the coverage. Switch to Geico. Go to geico.com, and in 15 minutes, you could save 15% or more on car insurance. Um, lots of people reacting in a good way to us being back on for all three hours on Sirius uh, and XM. Some difficulties finding the Sirius channel. XM seems to be working flawlessly on channel 202. Uh, for those of you out there having difficulty finding uh, the show on 218, you can also try, what did I just tweet out? 962 on the Sirius XM app. 962 working great on the Sirius XM app. All right, uh, Jason Martin, who should I go to next year? Uh, let's go to Tyler and Raleigh. He's been waiting the longest. Tyler in Raleigh, North Carolina, I'm assuming. What's up, Tyler? Hey, Clay. What's up, man? Good morning. Appreciate you calling in. Hey, brother. I, uh, yeah, man, I uh, love your show. I actually, my fiance and I listen to you every morning, man. It's a great way to get it going. I uh, wanted your opinion, man, on uh, us both being from Raleigh, uh, her being a Carolina grad. Um, bigger shocker to you, um, Fedora's squad's performance so far this season or the Wolfpack? And uh, what do you think about the Giants game, man? Thanks for the call in and keep kicking ass. Yeah, I appreciate it. Uh, well, first of all, the bigger shocker, I think, for a lot of people was that UNC got off scot-free on the NCAA investigation. That news came out Friday. I was not surprised by that. I think I said on this show, and certainly I've written and talked about it before, academic fraud, interestingly, is not an NCAA issue so long as academic fraud impacts the entirety of the university. So that's a funny story in and of itself, right? The bigger of a story it is, the bigger of a mess the academic fraud is, the less of an issue it is for athletics. So the fact that a lot of other regular students were involved in fraudulent courses actually protected UNC and their basketball and football program from any kind of significant issues. So that is a, uh, that's a story in and of itself. I mean, if you want to cheat, just make sure that you cheat with regular students included in athletes, inclu- included in classes, as well as athletes. And by the way, I have been on this uh, platform for a long time. Academic fraud is the single most rampant issue that exists in college athletics. No matter where you go to school, if you play high-level athletics, there are lots of courses that your students take that have absolutely no normalcy when it comes to everybody else. And I'll use this as an example. When I went to George Washington, uh, Washington, D.C., pretty decent academic institution. I think it right now, I went on scholarship, but I think right now 
It is either the first or second most expensive school in the entire country. Lots of rich kids go to GW, pretty high-level academic institution. There were all sorts of courses that they put basketball players in to make sure that they stayed eligible. I mean, the absolute joke of academic courses where you had to do absolutely nothing to stay eligible. And so if a school like GW has it and a school like UNC has it, then every school in the country, which are vastly inferior schools to those, is going to be doing academic fraud. It's funny to me. People are like, oh, it's unacceptable at UNC. You think if UNC has made-up effective courses to keep athletes legal that Auburn doesn't? You think if UNC does, Arizona State doesn't? Come on. There is, and I've been on this for a long time, every year, and this is when I started paying attention to it, every year at the Wonderlick, when the guys are at the NFL Combine, they take the Wonderlick test, and these scores will leak out, and a lot of guys score single digits in the Wonderlick test. Now, I'm not saying the Wonderlick is a perfect approximation of how intelligent you are, but if you score in the single digits, it basically means you can't read. And if you can't read, how in the world have you been eligible for four or five years? I tell this story before. My wife uh, taught at uh, I, I was both I was a sc- I was a teacher at Vanderbilt, and my wife was a teacher at Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt's one of the top schools in the country. I don't think anybody out there would dispute that. Vanderbilt University, one of the top schools in the country. I worked when I was getting my graduate degree. I was a TA, so I had my own class of 20 kids. Absolutely loved it. I taught creative writing at Vanderbilt. If I had to go back and make a living doing something else other than what I do now, wouldn't pay as well. But I think being a creative writing professor is one of the best jobs for me in the country. Absolutely loved every minute of it. My wife was also a TA when she was getting her graduate degree at Vanderbilt. My wife tells a story about one of the students in her friend's courses. I can't remember if it was her course or her friend's course, but one of the Vanderbilt football players was in the class. When they gave a quiz, the Vanderbilt football player did not answer a single question. All he did was write at the top of the test his name and his football uniform number. If that's happening at Vanderbilt University, one of the best universities in the entire country, are you telling me that Arizona State and Ole Miss are not getting guys in classes and not having them do any work? If UNC's doing it, if Vanderbilt has got issues, it's one of the most unreported and massive issues that exist in college athletics today is everybody cheats to keep their athletes eligible. Athletes, The fact some of these athletes can't stay eligible is a testament to how much of knuckleheads they are because everybody's cheating to keep them eligible. It's one of the craziest things I've ever seen. Uh, let's go to, uh, should I go to Lamar in Tennessee? Yep. Let's go to Lamar. What's up, Lamar? Hello? Yeah, what's up, man? Hi, what's going on, Clay? I, I, I want to make a comment about that, uh, that Jets-Patriots uh, game, the, you know, the touchdown I got returned. Yeah, it's one of the and, worst and what, calls I'm, I've ever seen. I, I don't know. From what I saw, when the uh, tight end, he caught the ball, you know, he made his football move, whatever. And as it was going down, he lost control of it, but it, it didn't hit the ground. And he hit the uh, pylon and out of bounds and regained control and everything. You know, you know, it kind of... I can't believe it. Hang I, up on the bar. We actually had somebody call in and defend the call. You guys with me that that's the worst instant replay review you've ever seen? 
Yeah, I mean, it was a terrible call. I agree kind of with Morris Claiborne. At worst, it should have been Jets ball on the one. Like, the that's idea that that's a touchback is utterly ridiculous. I like, think the on only every thing they level. They, and, and I don't think they could even put the the call on the field should have st- stood. This, this is my big issue. I remember having this conversation with Mike Pereira, who I got to know pretty well when I was out at Fox regularly. Awesome guy. One of the best at his job in the entire country. And Mike Pereira sits there in what they call the cube in the Fox Sports LA studios, and he's got every monitor available in front of him. And so anytime there is an instant replay review, he looks at it. He's flawless. The guy is every bit as good as you can possibly imagine looking at everything. What does indisputable actually mean? To me, it means indisputable. I know I'm crazy, but to me, when you say that something has to be indisputable, that means the call on the field should stand unless you indisputably can tell that it's wrong. When you watch that replay, there's no way that you can possibly tell that the guy is fumbling it as he hits the pylon and therefore should be a touchback for the Jets. I mean, for the Patriots. I think that if that game had happened in a playoff or a Super Bowl context, the NFL instant replay system would severely be under siege. And I think the NFL needs to get this right. I don't know what they need to do. I've been, uh, to the credit of the college football universe, they have finally taken it out of individual stadiums, and they go back just about every conference that does this now, like they do with the NHL, they go back to effectively a home office where they have the best instant replay review team reviewing every play. And so they can make the call the best people who are the most talented at it. I don't know maybe if the NFL needs to do that because that was an egregious wrong. They just can't make that mistake. They're probably going to come out and apologize for it, which is going to anger and should anger the Jets team, the entire franchise, as well as all the fans, because that's what they always do. The NBA does it, too. They'll come out and say, you know what? We goofed. We got that play wrong. But that doesn't actually change anything. Yeah, but I I think that the response to that would be, that's why you have instant replay, to ensure that you never get anything wrong. It's one thing if you can't tell, and if the call on the field had been, that he's out of bounds at the one-yard line, I don't think you could watch that play and, and and change it. I do think it would be hard to overturn it if in real time the NFL, if an official on the field had called that a fumble and said it was a touchback. I, I, I Again, I mean, I just look at that play and it doesn't in any way res- reflect that. Sam and uh, and Robert out in L.A., are you guys with us? This is one of the worst calls you've ever seen? It is one of the worst calls I've ever seen. It is not the worst, though. The worst is the tuck rule. Against the Raiders back in yeah, the day with Tom Brady. Yeah, but you're a Raider fan, but like that is oh, just... No. Yeah, and all, all joking aside, it was a terrible call. And yeah. the rule itself is stupid. There's no reason why a team going into the end zone, let's say that you did fumble, let's say hypothetically you did fumble and it goes back to the end zone, why would it then in turn go to the other team at the 20-yard line? That's a tough call in general. It's a, it's I, I think it certainly rule. is when you're reaching for the pylon. I think it's a little bit more understandable if you get the ball, let's say, knocked out from behind and it goes out the back of the end zone. Um, I, I, it, is a, it is an incredibly important call. I think reaching for the pylon should not be – I mean, we've seen a few years this has happened. I remember in overtime, Tennessee lost a game against Georgia probably three years ago. In overtime, they had a guy reaching for the goal line uh, trying to score a touchdown – in overtime, and uh, and he hit the pylon and fumbled, and it went out the other way, and they, they lost. I mean, that, that's an incredibly brutal way to uh, to lose a game. I think the, the penalty there is far in excess. What about you, Sam? Are you with us? It's an awful call that is pretty much indefensible. Yeah, and there, there's just a ton of rules or calls that are made or, or calls on rules where you're – 
you know, they call football the game of inches, but it's really the game of ambiguity where you're just like, there's all these interpretations and then one fan base is left really angry and the other one has basically been cut a huge break. So I'm with you guys. Uh, bad call. Uh, bad rule. No way to defend it at all. Let's bring in my guy, Eddie Garcia. Eddie, are you with us? That's an awful interpretation of NFL instant replay rules. Yeah, I think the thing that really a lot of fans are having a hard time with is that he never actually lost it. He bobbled it, but he still had the ball, his hands wrapped around the ball when he went out of bounds. You know, it's not like you see a guy dive for the pylon, lose the ball, and then it goes out of bounds. He had the ball. He did bobble it. But he still had both hands around it when he went out of bounds. So, but I agree with Robert. It's a stupid rule. I don't understand why we want to take excitement away out of the game for you know penalizing guys trying to dive for a pylon and lose the ball. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's absolutely absurd. All right, let's go ahead and uh, give us the update. Well, postseason baseball, we had Game 2 of the National League Championship Series with the Dodgers beating the Cubs 4-1. to Justin Turner drove in all four L.A. runs, including a three-run walk-off homer off of John Lackey that ended the game. That was the Dodgers' first walk-off homer since Kirk Gibson's home run in 1988 in the World Series. 29 years to the day, Gibson hit his home run, Turner hit his. Dodgers with a 2-0 series lead. Game 3 is Tuesday in Chicago. Sunday's action in the NFL. Week 6, Sunday night, Giants stunned the Broncos in Denver 23-10. That's New York's first win of the season. In the late action, the Steelers hand the Chiefs their first loss of the year, 19-13. That was in Kansas City. Chargers with a field goal as time expires, beats the Raiders in Oakland 17-16. Cardinals over the Buccaneers 38-33. Carson Palmer, three touchdown passes, and Adrian Peterson, two touchdown runs in his Arizona debut. It was the Rams over the Jaguars 27-17 in Jacksonville, LA's 3-0 on the road this year. Early games, Vikings over the Packers, 23-10. Aaron Rodgers suffering a broken collarbone in this one. Could miss the rest of the season. Dolphins down the Falcons, 20-17. Atlanta was up 17-0 at the half and then uh, end up losing this game at home. Patriots are down 14-0 in New York. They come back and beat the Jets, 24-17. Saints over the Lions, 52-38. New Orleans defense had three touchdowns, two pick sixes, and a fumble return for a touchdown. Overtime for the Bears to beat the Ravens 27-24. Texans over the Browns 33-17. And the Redskins beat the 49ers 26-24. This update is brought to you by True Car. With True Car, you can find out what other people in your area pay for the same car you're looking for, new or used. Visit True Car and enjoy a more confident car buying experience. Told you about Aaron Rodgers. A couple other injuries of note. Jameis Winston, Buccaneers quarterback, knocked out with a shoulder injury. He'll have an MRI later today. And running back Leonard Fournette of the Jaguars knocked out of their game with an ankle injury. He'll also be reevaluated later today. Good stuff uh, coming to you uh, live from the Geico Outkick Studios. Easy to save 15% or more on car insurance with Geico. Go to geico.com or call 800-947-AUTO. The only hard part, figuring out which way is easier. As well, don't let the name fool you. Dollar Shave Club has way more than just razors. Try their first month starter set with travel size shave butter, body cleanser, butt wipes, and an executive razor for all just 5 bucks. After that, replacement cartridges ship for just a few bucks a month. Get yours at dollarshaveclub.com slash outkick. And by the way, my guy Sam Batesh, who is a producer at Fox Sports, sends me in the note. I totally forgot about this. But they already centralize all NFL instant replay review. They just changed that rule this year. So that's even more indefensible then. They have this sent all the way back to the main replay review where they have the guys who were the best at the rules and they turn that Jets touchdown into a fumble touchback I know look I don't believe that that there's a fix in any time but it's hard to look at that play and understand how somebody could make the ruling especially I was thinking it was just one crew in the in the stadium and so when you've got 
you know, whatever it is, 16 different games every Sunday, 16 different crews, you could have a crew mess one of those things up, but it's all centralized now. So that's literally the top people in the NFL looking at that play and making the decision that it was not a touchdown. I, I don't understand how that's possible. That is, to me, indefensible. One of the worst calls that I've ever seen in a modern instant replay review era. I I am beyond baffled that that call could have ever been made. And if you haven't seen it, you need to make sure that you watch it at some point today. You need to make sure that you watch the replay of what happened with the uh, the Jets going in. I believe it was 27-17 at the time, so that would have made it a three-point game. Jets later kicked a field goal to cover that line, by the way. Uh, but that is a uh, that that's an extremely inexcusable outcome. By the way, Patriots not very good. Again, I know we started off the show by saying who do you feel confident is really very good, and like I said, the only thing I really feel that confident about through almost six full weeks in the NFL is that the Browns are awful. And now what do we know? Hugh Jackson, poor Hugh Jackson, is now what one in twenty one. One in twenty one. Yep. I mean, at what point do you just have to fire the guy? If he goes 1-15 again this year, how does he get a third year? I don't think he does. <laughs> it would be right. I mean, at some point you have – I don't care how good of a coach Hugh Jackson is. At some point you have to be what your record says you are. And if you're a starting NFL head coach and you go 1-15, then you follow it up with 0-6, I can't even imagine what that's like in the building every day. Last year, they were competitive in several games early. This year, they were competitive in a couple of games early. But again, uh, they passed on so many successful quarterbacks now. And I think what this proves more than anything else, and I've been making this argument for years now, in college football, it's hard to know whether or not you're going to have a good quarterback. So every year, what do you do? You bring in another four or five star quarterback, even if you've already got a quarterback. Everywhere you do this, Ohio State, look at Alabama. It doesn't matter how good your team is. You want as many top talented guys as you can because it's hard to project who's going to be a great college quarterback based on what you saw in high school. And similarly, it's hard to predict who's going to be a great NFL quarterback based on what you saw in college. So if you're the Browns, I've never understood this idea of, oh, we're going to build around the quarterback position because we're not really convinced that Carson Wentz is going to be great, or we're not convinced that Deshaun Watson's going to be great, or whatever it is. To me, draft one of those guys every year. Until you know you have your guy. If the if the Packers don't want to draft a guy very high and they expect that Aaron Rodgers is going to stay healthy, that's fine. Even the Patriots went and drafted Jimmy Garoppolo fairly highly because they knew at some point Tom Brady's going to be gone. But if you've got your guy... If you've got Matthew Stafford or you've got Drew Brees or you've got Matt Ryan or you've got Russell Wilson or Cam Newton or whoever it is, you're very confident in your starting quarterback. Okay, you don't need to draft a quarterback every year. But if you're one of the other 15 teams, let's say, in the NFL that knows that they haven't really proven if they've got a quarterback, certainly if you're the Browns and you've been awful, why not draft a guy every year? I mean that honestly. I understand that there's this reticence, oh, the quarterback position is so psychological, you can't draft quarterbacks at, in the first round or the second round in back-to-back years. Why is that the case? Why, if you don't have a quarterback, would you not want to take as many chances as you can and get somebody into your team who can actually be good? Because right now, the Browns are showing you that building around the quarterback and hoping that you can be good is, is a fallacy. It's not going to happen. 
you trot, you trot out Kevin Hogan or you trot out Deshaun Kaiser, it doesn't matter how talented the rest of your team is, the team is going to suck. And so I don't understand. Look at what happened with the Redskins. Everybody ripped them when they did it, but they took RG3 number two overall, and then they took Kirk Cousins in the fourth round in the same year. And Kirk Cousins ended up being better. Now, in college, that wouldn't be a surprise at all. You would go out and sign multiple four- or five-star guys and let him compete and end up playing the guy who's better because you don't know who's going to be better coming from high school to college. Why would you not do that in the NFL, too? I've never understood that. If you don't have a good quarterback, why not go try to draft multiple good quarterbacks and figure out whether or not that guy can be the answer? I want as many decent quarterbacks as I can, just like in college. I want If I can have three five-star guys like Georgia's about to do, they got Jake Fromm, they got Jacob Eason, and they're going to have this new guy, uh, Fields, best quarterback in the country. Maybe one of those guys ends up transferring. That's fine. But I want as many five-stars brought into my team as I possibly can. 877-996-6369. Final segment, Hour 2, coming up next here on OutKick, the coverage. Great news. Quick way you could save money. Switch to GEICO. Go to GEICO.com, and in 15 minutes, you could save 15% or more on car insurance. Mike Pereira and Dean Blandino, two guys, obviously, that know the rules of the NFL pretty well. Uh, in particular, Mike Pereira is fantastic. I mean, just I think Mike Pereira is better at his job than anybody else is in the world of sports media. He is just fantastic in all respects. Awesome dude. I got to know him well when I was working out on the Fox Sports uh, studio on a a regular basis on the lot out there. And I always go back to him to to see whether or not I think the, the right call was made. And now they brought in Dean Blandino, who I don't know personally, but if Mike Pereira says he's good, then basically I would take a bullet for the guy in terms of how talented he is. Well, both of these guys gave their analysis of the call that was made in Patriots-Jets, and they had this to say when it came to actually breaking down whether the correct call was made. Well, I'll tell you, there's going to be a lot to talk in New York. Uh, Eight minutes to go in the fourth quarter, Safarian Jenkins for the Jets is ruled to have scored a touchdown, and it actually gets reversed to a touchback. We looked at a lot of shots here, Dean. There's really a ton of things to look at. The pylon, the body hitting the pylon. He lost control of the ball. Did he regain control of the ball when he hit the ground? All kinds of things here. Yeah, and I I try to walk through, if I was in New York making that decision, how did they come to a touchback? And the only thing I can think of, he did lose control of the football before he went out of bounds. Now we have a fumble. He has to regain control of that football, and it's just like a catch. He has to get control again and get a body part, two feet, a knee down inbounds, and maintain control all the way to the ground. If he doesn't, it would be a fumble into the end zone. Looking at it, it did look like he regained control, and that left knee might have just touched inbounds before he slid out of bounds. There were a lot of ifs and mites as you and I were looking at it, and usually that means the call on the field should stand. And that's what we come to the conclusion of now. The body did hit the pylon, but let's remember, body hitting the pylon does not put the runner out of bounds. He must hit the ground out of bounds. And the question is, did he remain in control of the ball? Did he maintain control after hitting the ground because he did appear to get it back? Looks to me like he did, but ultimately I would say... If it has to be clear and obvious, it just didn't seem to me that it was. It didn't seem clear and obvious to change the call on the field. Either way, they ruled. 
That is Mike Pereira and Dean Blandino, uh, Fox Sports NFL coverage. And I think you kind of nailed it there. And this is a discussion that I've had with Mike Pereira before. Um, and, and it's one that I think he, he takes to heart. Indisputable has to mean indisputable. You know, it, it, it has to mean that you can tell beyond a shadow of a doubt that the call on the field is wrong. Not that we think it probably is wrong. Not that we, and, and by the way, in this scenario, I don't think even it's even close to being indisputable. And I don't think you can even look at that and say, oh, you know what? I think they got the call wrong. I don't, I don't even think that can be a, a situation that you would make. I would love to hear what the NFL is going to say, but the fact that this goes to the league office in, in New York is what leads people to make conspiracy arguments. Oh, the NFL knows ratings are down. This is what the conspiracy theorists would say. Oh, the NFL knows ratings are down. They need the Patriots to be good. It's no surprise that they would make a decision that works against the Jets and in favor of the Patriots. That's what the conspiracy theorists would say. Now, I don't believe it there. I don't believe that they would make a decision like that. I think they just got it wrong. I think somebody goofed. I think that, like as Mike Pereira and Dean Blandino are pointing out, they, they know lots of people in the NFL offices that they just got it wrong. And I think the NFL should just come back and say, hey, we got it wrong. Is there any doubt in our crew here? Let's go around the horn. Jason Martin, Sam in L.A., along with Robert. Let's start with Jason Martin. Any doubt the NFL got it wrong? No, not at all. And I do think they probably will come out and say they got it wrong, and that's going to be of no consolation whatsoever to the Jets or to their fans. Yeah, I don't think there's any doubt about that at all uh, either. Let's go out to uh, to L.A. Guys, are you in agreement? We are, are we unanimous in the belief? And if you haven't seen this play, go check out my Twitter feed at Clay Travis. I just tweeted it out. You can see it in super slow-mo and see it broken down by Mike Pereira and Dean Blandino, who I think are the two best people when it comes to analyzing calls that were made on the field. Any dispute in L.A.? You guys are with us? None whatsoever. 1,000% agreement here in L.A. That was a terrible call for the Jets. Yes, yeah, terrible call. Terrible call all around. And, you know, it's unfortunate because the Jets, obviously, sitting at 3-2, and two, they got up early 14 to nothing in that game, and it was 24-14 to 14 at that time. So that would have made it a three-point game. And the Jets later came back and kicked a field goal as well to lose by seven. So potentially that game could have gone to overtime if the right call were made there. And it's a massive game. It's a division game. Difference between being 3-3 three and three and 4-2 and two is pretty significant. And uh, instead, the Jets lose, and the Patriots get the benefit of the doubt there. I do think this continues to raise questions about the Patriots, by the way. The Patriots are just not very good. And again, I'm not sure, and we'll talk about this at the start of Hour 3, I'm not sure that there are very many good teams in the NFL, or to be fair, that many bad teams other than the Browns. I think it's a big pile of mediocrity this year in the NFL, and certainly the quarterback injuries are making that even more the case. But I think the Patriots are in that pile of mediocre teams. Now, maybe in the final 10 weeks of the season, they can start to resolve some issues. I don't think their defense is that good. I don't know how healthy Rob Gronkowski is going to end up being for the rest of the season. I think the Patriots are just a team. And I don't think there's any team right now. Certainly, we saw what happened with the Chiefs against the, uh, against the Steelers. I'm not sure there's any team that's that good. Maybe the Eagles are the best team in the NFL right now. I'm not sure. We'll talk about all that and more. College football, NFL, big takeaways from the week that was next here on Outkick. The coverage, hang out with us, 877-996-6369. Live from the Geico Outkick Studios, Hour 3, Monday edition. Thanks for starting your morning with us. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. 
Visit Geico.com for a free rate quote as well. Duralast batteries designed to stand up to even the most extreme weather conditions. They're built with patented technology to reduce damage due to vibration and deliver the most power during startup. They're proven tough and sold only at AutoZone. Get in the zone, AutoZone. Uh, As we do every single Monday, phone lines are open, 877-996-6369. And what I like to do is go through what I think are the big three takeaways from college football and the big three takeaways from the NFL. And I'll start with college football here. And to me, as Clemson loses to Syracuse, Washington State loses to Cal, Auburn loses to LSU, and Washington loses at Arizona State, four of the top ten are out. And I'm starting to think, man, this playoff picture is muddled indeed. I think it opens up the possibility of both the SEC and the Big Ten potentially getting two teams in. And in particular, I think the SEC is poised to be the first conference to get two teams into the playoff. Let me explain why. Alabama is the best team in college football. You can argue for another team, and you will be wrong. I actually think... The second best team in college football right now is Ohio State, even though they lost to Oklahoma earlier in the year. And this is where I always think when you pick the four playoff teams, you get into an interesting debate. Because do you take the best teams or do you take the most deserving teams? For instance, right now, I think the four best teams in college football are as follows. Number one, Alabama. Number two, Georgia. Number three, Ohio State. And number four, Penn State. If you told me right now that I had to pick the four best teams at this exact moment in college football, those would be my four. Two from the SEC, two from the Big Ten. Again, I would go with Alabama, Georgia, uh, Ohio State, and then Penn State. But those are the best. Who are the most deserving teams? Well, I think sometimes that overlaps. I still think the best and most deserving teams are Georgia and Alabama. Alabama and Georgia 1-2. But in the 3-4 spot, I would change when I look at it from the most deserving perspective. Because I don't think you can put Ohio State into the best four because they lost to Oklahoma. So my most deserving four would be Alabama, Georgia, TCU in the three, and then Penn State probably in the four. So Ohio State, I think, is the best of those four but I don't think they are the most deserving of those four. Having said that, look at what Georgia's resume would be if the Bulldogs are able to go 12-0. They now are in the bye week at 7-0. They have dominated everybody except for the close win on the road over Notre Dame. Look at Georgia's resume. If they go 12-0, and I think they will because Auburn is the most challenging team left on their schedule, I think they are going to beat Florida like a drum in the cocktail party. Now, I know there's lots of Georgia fans out there that are saying, don't say it, Clay. Don't say it. This Florida has competed with us at a high level in the cocktail party. It's a rivalry game. Don't you dare say it. Look, I've been there a bunch of times. The crew from OutKick is going there this weekend to the cocktail party. I mean, the weekend after this one. I absolutely love everything about that game down in Jacksonville. I've been to it four or five different times. Put it on your bucket list if you have never been and you want to go for a crazy party. The world's largest outdoor cocktail party is one of the most entertaining places you can possibly go. All right, that is the truth. But to me, when I look at Georgia's resume, if they go 12-0 and and lose to Alabama 
in the SEC title game. They will have gone 8-1 and one in the SEC. They will have lost a neutral site game to the best team in college football. And they will have beaten, potentially, Notre Dame, which has a chance to go 11-1. and one. Notre Dame has got a really stacked schedule remaining. But starting this weekend against USC, we find out if the Fighting Irish are for real. So Notre Dame has a chance to go 11-1, huge win on the road by Georgia. They will have a chance to beat Georgia Tech out of conference, which is probably going to be an 8-4 and four type team. Pretty good, borderline top 25 team. If the college football games, apologies Georgia Tech fans, were only 59 minutes long, then Georgia Tech right now would be undefeated because they lost by one point in overtime to Tennessee, and they lost on a final second field goal on the road against Miami this past weekend. Miami, by the way, also on that Notre Dame schedule. You talk about Catholics versus convicts in November. Boy, that's a game that I don't want to miss. Looks like it could have a lot of significance, especially if Notre Dame can win this weekend against against USC and then win next weekend against NC State. So the Georgia schedule, they have the best resume, probably they're going to have the best resume of any one-loss team in college football even if they lose the SEC. So I think Georgia and Alabama both have a really good chance to get in. I also think that Ohio State and Penn State have got an interesting decision. Like this, I want you to think about this for a minute. Remember, last year, Penn State did not get into the playoff effectively because they lost to Pittsburgh early in the season. And as a result, even though Penn State went 11-2 and and won the Big Ten title and beat Ohio State head-to-head, Ohio State got into the playoff. In two weeks, Ohio State is hosting Penn State. I want you to think about this scenario for a minute. I believe Michigan's going to lose multiple Big Ten games, so we're not going to end up in a situation where we have a three-way tie again. So I think whoever wins the Penn State-Ohio State game on October 28th in Columbus is going to win the Big Ten East and advance to play in the Big Ten title game. I think Ohio State's going to win that game. So let's say Ohio State wins that game. Let's also say that Michigan, which had to go to overtime against Indiana, greatest college football coach in the history of mankind, Jim Harbaugh, had to go to overtime to beat Indiana. Let's also say that Michigan ends up losing this weekend to Penn State and also ends up losing to Wisconsin. Good chance, I believe, that Michigan is going to be 8-3 and when Ohio State comes into the big house to finish out the season. What if Michigan beats Ohio State in that game? Jim Harbaugh finally beats Ohio State. That would leave Michigan at 9-3. and three. They're not in the mix for the Big Ten. And Ohio State and Penn State would both finish with a single loss. But Ohio State would advance to play in the Big Ten title game because they would have beaten Penn State head-to-head. What if Ohio State wins that game? Finishes 11-2. I think they would beat Wisconsin, who I expect to be there potentially at 12-0. Isn't that almost the exact same scenario when Ohio State got in over Penn State? Are you following me? Is this too complicated? Jason Martin, I want you to follow me on this. If And I think this is actually a decent chance of happening. If Ohio State finishes 11-2, beats Wisconsin to win the Big Ten title, but has lost at Michigan and has lost early in the season to Oklahoma and Penn State is sitting there at 11 and 1 
isn't that the exact same scenario last year that Ohio State got into the playoff over Penn State? So would you leave 11-1 and Penn State, which lost the head-to-head but has the better overall record, or would you take 11-2 and Big Ten champ Ohio State? I think probably 11-2 and and Big Ten champ Ohio State would get into the playoff. But that means that the committee would have adopted the exact opposite rationale to get Ohio State into the playoff this year as they got into the playoff with them last year. Basically, it seems as if the committee's doing whatever they need to to get Ohio State into the playoff. Do you follow that theory, Jason Martin, or is that too complicated? No, I mean, that makes complete sense. It would show. Do you not think that Penn State would get double screwed there? Last year, you said, oh, no, 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 you can't get in even though Penn State won the title because they lost to Pittsburgh out of conference and because they had two losses. This year, I think there's a good chance that Ohio State would get in over Penn State using the exact same logic that wasn't good enough to get Penn State in the year before. Yeah, it would have to do with the fact that Ohio State is Ohio State. And that would be, you know, that certainly would not be a good look on the NCAA or the committee to make that arrangement. I kind of hope Penn State just beats Ohio State. And we don't have to worry about this. Honestly, I don't think it's going to happen. Penn State's though. a better football team. I don't think that's true at all. I think Ohio State is the best team in the Big Ten right now. We'll see though. That's next week. This weekend, I think that Penn State is going to blow out Michigan. And I think all you Jim Harbaugh fanboys out there that have been upset because I've been pointing out that Jim Harbaugh is the most overrated coach in college football are going to have to deal with it. Hot seat talk. Hot seat talk to me. This is the time of the year where the Chip Kelly sweepstakes are officially off and running. Right now, here's how I'd rank the hot seats. Tennessee, Butch Jones is effectively done. That line has come out against Alabama. Butch Jones has lost two games in a row. Tennessee has scored one offensive touchdown since September 16th. Tennessee is going to fire Butch Jones if the athletic director has any balls at all. Nebraska. Mike Riley has to be done at Nebraska. I watched some of that Ohio State game. Mike Riley's a disaster. They have fired his offensive co- I mean sorry, they have fired his athletic director. They've now hired the Washington State athletic director. I think that Washington State athletic director good chance maybe he brings Mike Leach to Nebraska. Who knows what's going to happen. I think that Nebraska is going to fire Mike Riley. UCLA. The Bruins got whipped by Arizona. They have fallen to three and three, two straight losses. I think things are going downhill in, in a hurry for Jim Mora. Maybe Chip Kelly's interested in that job. Colin Cowherd, I saw a tweet out something about that yesterday. We'll see whether that could end up materializing. Arkansas, lots of dispute about exactly what Brett Bielema's buyout is, but Arkansas is an awful team. They play Auburn this weekend. Brett Bielema is now 10-25 and 25 overall in the SEC. If they lose to Auburn, they fall to 2-5. and five. What in the world is Arkansas doing? It's now year five of Brett Bielema at Arkansas. He's never done better than 8-5. and five. And so those are the top four most likely, I believe, to fire their coaches right now. Tennessee, Nebraska, UCLA, and Arkansas in terms of big programs. Second tier, Auburn, Florida, Mizzou on the fringe along with North Carolina, which looks awful this year under Larry Fedora. Auburn, Florida, Mizzou, and North Carolina all potentially right there on the fringe of making decisions about what exactly to do as well. Can take your calls on this. I'll give you my big three takeaways in the NFL when we come back. 
877-996-6369 is the phone number. Be happy to have you guys hop in. And in the meantime, you already know how much I love Dollar Shave Club's razors. Did you also know they offer so much more? They make their own high-quality personal and grooming products for your hair, face, skin, shower, everything. DSC has all your bathroom needs covered. When you're at the store shopping for your personal and grooming needs, too many options. Who can tell them apart? Not me. If you have any questions, forget about it. It's not like the clerks are experts on the products. Now there's no need for the hassle of stepping into the store. I use Dollar Shave Club for almost everything. Razors, body cleanser, hair gel, even butt wipes. I got to tell you this. For a long time in my house, my wife has her own sink and I have my own sink. And you know what was at my sink? I had a razor, I had a, uh, a beard trimmer, and then I had a toothbrush and I had toothpaste. That's it. No other product. My wife... It looks like, I mean, she has bought a drugstore. There are so many products everywhere making her look beautiful, smell nice. I got to tell you, I'm starting to smell nicer than my wife now with all this Dollar Shave Club stuff. And she's starting to steal some of my stuff. She's coming over, some of my stuff disappearing. That, that body cleanser, gone. That, uh, that, that great uh, uh, shave butter, gone. Right now, you can try all of this. Starter sets, just 5 bucks. You get shave butter, body cleanser, butt wipes, and a month of their best razor. After that, replacement cartridges ship for just a few bucks a month. Don't miss out. Get your starter set for just $5 today. Hey, you could smell as good as I do if you get your starter set today. Just 5 bucks exclusively at dollarshaveclub.com. Use the code OUTKICK. That's dollarshaveclub.com slash OUTKICK. Great news. Quick way you could save money, switch to Geico. Go to geico.com, and in 15 minutes, you could save 15% or more on car insurance. As well, with TrueCar, you can find out what other people in your area paid for the same car you're looking for, and on average, save over three grand off MSRP. Whether you're looking for a new or used car, visit TrueCar to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. Just ran through what I thought were the biggest takeaways from the college football weekend that was. Here are my big takeaways from the NFL. First of all, Aaron Rodgers out for the season. And in addition to the fact that the NFL has been under siege from a ratings perspective, there have been a lot of major injuries. Odell Beckham Jr., he's out. Uh, We've got a really difficult situation now with Aaron Rodgers out. Unhealthy quarterbacks. Uh, Jameis Winston was pulled from his game against uh, the Arizona Cardinals and had to get uh, and we'll see exactly what the MRI results are going to be for him one bit of good news for the NFL is that it appears Marcus Mariota is going to play tonight on Monday Night Football otherwise we would have had Matt Castle against Jacoby Brissett I believe which would have been one of the worst head-to-head matchups in the history of Monday Night Football um, but Aaron Rodgers out for the season he joins a long list of big-time NFL players J.J. Watt Odell Beckham Jr., all those guys now out for the season. Uh, What in the world is going on in the NFL this year? I don't feel like we have very many good teams other than the Steelers. I mean, sorry, other than the Browns. I'm not sure that we have any bad teams. Even though the San Francisco 49ers are 0-6, they've looked actually decent. And Beathard came in and played really well for them. I mean, I was watching that game down the stretch. He gave them a chance to get in field goal range there and have a chance to win that game against the Redskins last night. But we thought the Chiefs were the best team in the NFL. The Steelers come into Kansas City and absolutely dominate them, in particular in the first half. So the Steelers, who last week got run by the Jacksonville Jaguars, 
come into town and dominate the Kansas City Chiefs. The Raiders now have lost four in a row. The uh, the Chargers are suddenly on a winning streak, and I don't feel like there's anything out there. Then last night, we saw the Giants go on the road as nearly two touchdown underdogs and win in Denver. Is there anything, the, the blown call, the horrible blown call that would have made it a 24-21 game down the stretch there between the Jets and the Patriots, is there anything out there right now that anyone has seen maybe outside of the Eagles who look to be pretty legit? Is there anybody out there who's that confident in their team? I, I don't think so. We'll see what happens on Monday Night Football and finish off week six in the NFL. But basically we're a third of the way through the season, and I think you can make a pretty strong argument that nobody knows anything about any team other than, I'm sorry, Browns fans, you guys suck. Other than the Browns being awful, is there anybody out there who feels like, you know what, I know exactly what I'm going to get out of my team this coming week. And I said before, and we'll talk about this tomorrow with uh, Alex Marvez, I said before, you know, one of the challenging things about the NFL in general is that in a 16-game season, you get 10 games where your team performs about what like what you would expect them to. Three where they're much worse than you would expect, and three where they're much better. But when you look right now at the NFL, is there anybody who feels like there's anything other than a huge collection of mediocre teams? I mean, this to me seems like the kind of year where there's really not hardly any teams that are better than 12-4. and four. I think there might be one or two teams that get to 12-4, and four. I don't think there's going to be any quote-unquote great team. And I mean, even if you're like looking, for instance, at the, the, the Falcons. Falcons start off 3-0 and or whatever it is. Everybody feels confident about them. They get up 17-0 on the freaking, uh, on the Dolphins. And then they give up 20 unanswered at home. Home field doesn't seem to matter at all. There's no rhyme or reason from one, one week to another. Let's bring in the crew. Are you guys with me that this is one of the messiest NFL seasons ever? And obviously the quarterback injuries, when you're talking about Aaron Rodgers and guys like him going out, it's just impossible to feel like there's any rhyme or reason to anything that's happened so far in this NFL season. This is a bad NFL season, honestly. And it's not necessarily, look, the play has been at least sort of unpredictable and at times it's been fun. But you're losing big-time marketable stars. You're losing the biggest defensive star in the league. You're losing the biggest quarterback in the league, the best player in the league, arguably the best running back in the league, the most dynamic wide receiver in the league. You've got people with the kneeling and the protest and some people swearing off. I was actually leaving church yesterday, and the guy that was directing traffic, somebody asked him if he was going to the Titans game tonight because he has season tickets. He said, nope, gave him away. I'm done with the NFL. So there are people out there that are getting rid of of the NFL on top of all of this. And then just the idea that, again, you don't know if you're any good. I didn't put Denver in my top five last week, even though some of you guys did. And and Justin Cooper, who's a Broncos fan just like I am, said, nice work not putting them in the top five. I said, I just don't know if they're that good. And then they go out last night and look awful against the winless New York Giants. Who have the no wide receivers. and the Eagles are about it. Yeah, I mean, and exactly. They didn't have their top four wideouts. They had a rookie tight end in Evan Ingram that was pretty much the only light that they had on their offensive side of the game. And then you talk about unpredictability. How about Adrian Peterson looking like he was dead in New Orleans and then going out and having you know, 140 yards for the for the Cardinals yesterday. I mean, we have no idea from week to week what is going to happen in this league, and I do think that you're right. There just aren't any particularly great 
flawless, iconically good football teams out there. I think Philadelphia's pretty good. I still think Kansas City's pretty good. And if you remember, the Chiefs have already beaten the Eagles this season. So really, other than that, top five is going to be really intriguing. Bottom five is not as intriguing tomorrow, but our top fives, I bet we're going to diverge because who the hell knows if anybody's good or not. Yeah, and this is the problem with parity in general. Everybody says, oh, it's great. I want parity. Nobody actually wants parity because if all 32 NFL teams were completely even, then everybody would go 8-8 eight and eight, and there would be no reason to watch the league at all. You don't want parity. Now, you don't want teams to be awful. It would be great if there were no Cleveland Browns, if there were no 0-6 teams. It would be great if there were a lot of 10-6 and and a lot of 6-10s and and then a few 8-8s. But it seems to me this year, we may have a lot of difficulty in getting a team to 12-4. and I mean, I really do think so. Now, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe the Chiefs and the the Eagles are going to be the class of each of their respective leagues. But I, I think when you look at what's happened so far, and this is a good test, right? The Eagles play coming up this week. Do they play the Redskins? I think they do, right? And if the Redskins lose that game and the Eagles go to 6-1, and one, it's almost like the Eagles have won the NFC East. Because with the Ezekiel Elliott suspension and the fact that the Cowboys have started 2-3, and three, if they beat the Redskins and create that big of a gap for themselves this early in the season, I think it's going to be hard to overcome. But I, I just I, I feel like the positive is if you're sitting around out there and your team is mediocre right now, that's fine. You're still in a position where you could make a run, not just to the playoffs, but potentially to the Super Bowl. I think this is one of the most wide open years we have ever had in terms of right now, if you told me, okay, which two teams are going to be in the Super Bowl, I guess I would go with the Eagles and the Chiefs. But do you really feel that confident in Alex Smith? Do you really feel that confident? And Carson Wentz, given it's only his second year, I don't. And so I think we're going to end up seeing a lot of mediocrity this year. And that means that a lot of teams come December and late November are going to be in the mix to win their division and potentially host a home playoff game. I'm going to the game tonight uh, in, in Nashville, this Monday night football game. It looks like Marcus Mariota is going to start. But if the Titans win, and the Titans should win, although they've lost a lot of games they shouldn't win over the years, the AFC South is a perfect approximation of the NFL in general. You will have three different teams tied in first place a third of the way through the season at 3-3. Three and three. You'll have the Titans, you'll have the Texans, and you'll have the Jags, all 3-3. Three and three. And then even without Andrew Luck, the, uh, the Colts be 2-4. and four. So everybody's still alive in the AFC South a third of the way through the season, and even picking a favorite would be hard to do, especially if you tell me that Andrew Luck is eventually going to come back because I think he's the most accomplished quarterback in the division. So you could end up in a situation where he ends up getting his team hot if he comes back and he's ever healthy and able to throw. Who knows what's going to happen? Uh, 877-996-6369. We'll finish off with some of your calls. Going to bring in uh, Eddie Garcia now. We'll also break down Colin Kaepernick uh, filing this uh, this uh, collusion argument against the uh, the NFL. I'll tell you what I think about that. Put on my lawyer hat a little bit here. Uh, but we'll also take your calls. 877-996-6369. You are out in L.A., Eddie Garcia, and the entire city is ecstatic as the Dodgers are up 2-0 on the Cubs and have a chance to go to their first World Series since 1988. Yeah, that's right. And speaking of 1988, we had a uh, kind of a throwback to the World Series. We'll tell you about that with the Dodgers beating the Cubs 4-1 to 
in Game 2 of the National League Championship Series. Justin Turner was the hero for L.A. He drove in all four runs, including hitting a three-run walk-off homer to end the game off of John Lackey. And the last time the Dodgers had a walk-off home run in a postseason game, Kirk Gibson hit that famous home run in 1988. That was 29 years ago to the day yeah, that that's Just, amazing. Justin Turner hit his home run. So, yeah, things are looking good for the Dodgers right now. As far as week six in the NFL Sunday night, a really a big surprise is the Giants go on the road and beat the Broncos in Denver 23-10. That's New York's first win of the year. In the late game, Steelers over the Chiefs 19-13 in Kansas City. That was the Chiefs' first loss of the season. Chargers get a field goal as time expires to edge the Raiders in Oakland 17-16. Cardinals over the Buccaneers 38-33. Adrian Peterson in his Arizona debut, 134 yards rushing and a pair of scores. Rams beat the Jaguars in Jacksonville 27-7. LA's 3-0 on the road this year. In the early action, Vikings over the Packers 23-10. Minnesota is now tied with Green Bay for the NFC North lead. Dolphins down the Falcons 20-17. Atlanta blew a 17-0 halftime lead at home. Jay Cutler, two touchdown passes in the second half to help Miami get the win. Patriots rally from down 14-0 on the road. Beat the Jets in New York 24-17. Tom Brady, two touchdown passes to Rob Gronkowski. Saints win a wild one over the Lions 52-38. New Orleans defense scored three touchdowns in the win. Overtime for the Bears to get by the Ravens 27-24. Texans beat the Browns 33-17. Deshaun Watson, three touchdown passes for Houston. Cleveland is 0-6. And the Redskins down the 49ers 26-24. San Francisco also 0-6 on the year. And Clay, of course, the big injury news. Green Bay Packers quarterback Aaron Rodgers, broken collarbone. They're saying he could miss the rest of the season, likely will miss the rest of the season. Jameis Winston, the quarterback of Tampa Bay, knocked out of their game against Arizona with a shoulder injury. An MRI later today for him. And Jacksonville Jaguars rookie running back Leonard Fournette knocked out of their game with an ankle injury. He'll be further evaluated later today. Brutal injury season already for the NFL, and we're only six weeks in, especially with Aaron Rodgers, J.J. Watt, and Odell Beckham Jr. Three of probably, what, the top six, seven most marketable stars in the NFL all out for the season. Coming to you live from the Geico Outkick Studios, it's easy to save 15% or more on car insurance with Geico. Go to geico.com or call 800-947-AUTO. The only hard part, figuring out which way is easier as well. Now's a fantastic time to buy a new Honda. Visit shophonda.com or visit your local Honda dealer today. Other news is that Colin Kaepernick, who will never leave the news cycle, has filed a grievance alleging that there is collusion on behalf of NFL uh, owners to keep him out of the league. Uh, Putting on my lawyer hat here, I think there's a couple of things uh, worth discussing in this lawsuit. First of all, it's an arbitration hearing. So there's a little bit different standard in terms of discovery and having people come testify and everything else. What Colin Kaepernick needs to show is that more than one team made the decision not to hire him having a conversation or agreement between multiple owners or the league and owners. How would he do that? He would probably need to show email, text messages. He would need to show some sort of tangible evidence. Now, Individual owners discussing whether or not they are going to sign Colin Kaepernick is not collusion. Uh, NFL uh, executives emailing about Colin Kaepernick's availability is not collusion. You would need teams saying, hey, you know what? We probably should. And and by the way, individual teams making the decision, we don't want to sign Colin Kaepernick because we are uh, think he's bad for business. We don't want to sign Colin Kaepernick because he said that 
police are modern-day slave catchers or wore socks depicting police as pigs or said that Fidel Castro was someone that he wanted to emulate or because his girlfriend is crazy and at any point in time she might get on Twitter and call somebody who's an NFL owner a racist slave owner like she did Baltimore Ravens owner Steve Bashotti. All of those things could happen and they could be justifiable reasons not to sign Colin Kaepernick. As well, by the way, as the fact that you don't think he's very good, that he doesn't fit your overall NFL system. There are lots of reasons why Colin Kaepernick is not signed. By the way, you know who I don't hear anybody talking about not being signed? RG3. Aren't RG3 and Colin Kaepernick almost the exact same player? Think about that for a minute. Why do we focus so much on Colin Kaepernick not being signed, other than the fact that the media is obsessed with him, when RG3 is almost exactly the same player? Think about that. RG3 is 27. Colin Kaepernick is about to turn 30. So RG3, number two overall draft pick, has a lot of great early success with the Washington Redskins, then ends up getting benched and replaced by another guy, and then has all sorts of, uh, of lack of success on the field, and then becomes a free agent. RG3 is out there completely unsigned, younger than Colin Kaepernick, only 27 years old, and arguably almost identical in every single statistical category, yet nobody is talking about RG3. Colin Kaepernick, three years older, almost identical in that he's a mobile quarterback who has never proven that he can stay in the pocket and consistently throw the football. Yet nobody mentions RG3 at all, and now Colin Kaepernick has filed a grievance alleging collusion on behalf of the NFL owners. Is RG3 also going to file the same collusion argument? Here's the other thing I would say about Colin Kaepernick. I would love to hear his attorneys, and by the way, he's represented by the same attorney that represented Scott Peterson in the Lacey Peterson murder trial, Mark Garagos. I would love to hear Colin Kaepernick's attorneys explain why every other player who has taken a knee during the national anthem is employed. If you think your client is not employed because of his protest, how would you explain away the fact that every other player who has taken a knee is still employed? I think the answer here is pretty simple. Colin Kaepernick creates more problems than his talents are worth. And people were like, oh, why didn't the Titans, it appears that Marcus Mariota, for instance, is going to play. People said, why didn't the Titans sign Colin Kaepernick instead of Brandon Whedon? Well, first of all, because they started Matt Castle, and he is the quarterback. Secondly, because Brandon Whedon is going to be inactive now. This week, expectations are tonight on Monday Night Football that Marcus Mariota is going to play. And so that means Matt Castle will be the backup and Brandon Whedon will not be dressed and will probably be released shortly. Can you imagine the media circus if the Titans had signed Colin Kaepernick for one week, not played him, and then released him? That's why they didn't do it. Is that difficult to understand? You don't want to bring in a guy like Kaepernick for one week, not play him, because he would have been the backup to Matt Castle, and then release him as soon as Marcus Mariota is back healthy. Can you imagine the outrage? Oh, look at what happens to Kaepernick. The Titans signed him for one week. They didn't play him, and then they released him. Well, that's what they're going to do to Brandon Whedon, and nobody's even going to take notice of it. 877-996-6369, final segment of Monday's show. 
Thank you for hanging with us. Sirius XM, supposed to be channel 218. Not sure how well that's working, but we're officially on for all three hours. I know it's working on XM channel 202 because a lot of you are tweeting me pictures of you listening to it. So go ahead and check it out. Let me know if satellite radio is working for you. I'm Clay Travis. This is Outkick the Coverage on Welcome back in. Final segment, Outkick Mondays. I hope you have a fantastic day at work. We're happy to be back on satellite radio. Hopefully we'll get the serious issues resolved. But XM202 is working flawlessly. You can also stream it on Sports 962 on the Sirius XM app as well as the iHeartRadio app as well as listen on Fox Sports Radio. We've got so many different ways to listen now. Go download the podcast as millions of you did last month and millions of you are doing again this month. Just make sure you consume us any way you possibly can. What does it mean when Geico says just 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance? It means you probably should have gone to geico.com 15 minutes ago. We have a voicemail line. It is up 365 days a year, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. You can call it. The number is 855-500-CLAY. Did I get that right, Jason Martin? Yep. 855-500-CLAY. I don't hear them at all. They go straight to Jason Martin. You can react to anything. If your team loses, if you're angry at me over a gambling tip, if you just decide, you know what, I want to talk to Clay Travis, Jason Martin, and the crew out in Los Angeles – 855-500-CLAY, program it in if you hate me, if you love me. Whatever it is, it goes straight to Jason Martin. He listens to them. There was a lot of angst over the weekend, and I believe these are queued up, and they are pretty outstanding. What do you have to say for them in advance, Jason Martin? There's some really funny stuff, especially in the tail end. I tried to balance it out. There were some that there were a few people that called with like four- and five-minute diatribes where they were really trying to lay out actual problems. Those are probably not going to get on the air. Just to let you know, like if you're going to call and like break down schemes and things like that, that's not going to happen. The stuff that you're about to hear, that's how you find your way onto this radio program. All right, boys and girls, here we go. 855-500-CLAY. Program this into your call, uh, into your phone, and here we go. Hey, if you're playing the UT volunteer the way the Cox did this afternoon, if they gave you the option, either after the coin toss or at the start of overtime, wouldn't the smartest thing to elect be give them the ball on your five-yard line? There's no way in hell they're going to put it in the end zone from there. It'd be a 100% successful defense against an orange-clad touchdown. This is live. He rolls out, and they lose. This team is terrible. The Tennessee Volunteers are terrible. Fire Butch Jones. This is live reaction. The game just went final. That was terrible. This team sucks. I never want to root for this team again if Butch Jones is the coach. Get him out of here. Fire this All of them. Get them all out of here. It's terrible. Hire Clay. Hire Clay to coach Tennessee because Butch Jones is out. He's terrible. I'm done. I'm drinking another beer. Get me the hell out of here. Hey, Clay, I don't understand the problem. I think Butch is doing a great job. I don't understand. Give him some time. Nobody gives coaches any time anymore. Give the guy a break. Give him a chance to to get his pizzas in there and work everything out. He's doing a great job. I don't understand the problem. He'll get it worked out. UT will come back to life next year or the year after or, you know, whatever. Go Gators. We suck too. Which Jones is such a His kids deserve to get their ass beat on the playground on Monday. How do you lose to South Carolina? Coming out of a bye week, and they're coached by Will Muschamp. I'm pissed off right now. I'm in a closet because I just felt like I had to talk to you. Um, I drove 10 hours this morning to 
in Iowa to go to a wedding from Nashville, and I get here, and it's a closed bar wedding. I'm so pissed off. But you know what? You know what I'd rather do than be a Tennessee fan with Butch Jones at the helm is drive 10 hours and go to Iowa to a wedding at a closed bar. I'm pissed. Fire Butch right now. Kenny, down here in Tennessee, you need to get on the ball. We got to talk about, we got to get a bunch of publicity. We got to fire that loser, Butch Jones. I call him Bitch Jones. He is terrible. Get him gone. Let me tell you what, I've been a Tennessee fan my entire life. And if they don't fire Butch Jones, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to drive out there to Knoxville, and I'm going to buy two gallons, two 4D landscape poison, and I'm going to poison every tree on that campus. <laughs> Go balls. Butch Jones. We've got to fire him right now. Throw the bank at Chip Kelly, John Gruden, whoever the f*** else wants to get this Chia Pet-looking bastard out of Knoxville right now. Hey, this is Zach from Virginia. So I'm sitting here watching this game. And I'm like, oh, man, we got a chance. And then guess what? Butch Jones blows it again. I am so sick and tired of Butch Jones. I don't know what has to go through Curry's mind to just fire this idiot. He's a waste of sperm. Clay, I was just going to let you know I would rather sit in the corner and watch ISIS have their way with my wife than to spend one more day with Butch Jones as my coach. Oh, man. I I want to tell you, Tennessee fans have figured out how to use the voicemail line. Amazing calls. There's a lot of teams of hot seat coaches right now. Tennessee, Nebraska, UCLA, Arkansas, Auburn, Florida, Mizzou, North Carolina. Lots of unhappy fan bases out there. Make sure, the, I mean, that's an incredible collection. 855-500-CLAY. Call in. Be funny. Be entertaining, react to your team, take shots at me. Jason Martin, just kind of give people an idea. This voicemail line, some groups are getting it, others are not. Yeah, I'm disappointed. Like, look, these Tennessee calls have been epic pretty much all season long, but there are a lot of smart fan bases out there, a lot of angry people, a lot of drunks on Saturdays and Sundays watching their teams go down, watching bad losses. Where are you people? Where are the Auburn fans today? who watched that LSU comeback? Where are the Denver Broncos fans who watched what happened from the Giants last night? All of this is open to you at 855-500-CLAY. Just call in, sound off, and it's and if it's good, I promise you it's going to get on the air because we can't get enough of these segments. Yeah, the other thing is you can take shots at your opponents. Like It doesn't yeah. just have to be taking shots at your own team. I mean, this is your forum, 365 days a year, 24 hours a week. Uh, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. I mean, you can hop in at any point in time, and these segments are amazing. I mean, Jason Martin hears these and then puts them together, and that those calls that we just got were extraordinary. But I feel like you should be making Jason Martin work harder than you are. There should be more of them coming in. They're great as is, but when I see the number, the millions of people who are listening to this show, I know that there's a lot of angst and anger and also a lot of enjoyment out there. Tee off. Have some fun. Um, we have uh, lots to get to. I'll be at Monday Night Football tonight. We'll see what happens with the end of the NFL Week 6. Reports are Marcus Mariota is going to play. If so, the AFC South is a perfect representation of the NFL in general. We'll have the Titans, I believe. The Titans are going to win. like the Titans to win big tonight. I think the Titans win, and then they're tied with the Jags and also with the Texans at 3-3. Three and three. 
and the Colts aren't that far behind either at 2-4. and four. We'll talk about that game. We'll talk about whether or not the Yankees can get a win over the Astros. My guy Alex Marvez will be on with us, and then also we'll talk to Petros Papadakis. A lot of you listen to him on 570 AM out in L.A. It should be an awful lot of fun. Thank you for spending your Monday with us. Go download it. Thanks to all of you who let us know about Satellite Radio, 202 on XM, 218 on Sirius. We are now off and running three hours every single day back on Satellite Radio. Appreciate your patience there. It's been a fun show. We'll react to everything Monday Night Football and more tomorrow on OutKick, the coverage. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Auto Parts. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Top Thrill 2 is like no other course. Two 420-foot vertical speedways, three launches. All right, let's talk strategy. Copy that, driver. Go for maximum acceleration off the start. Measure that. You've got a short straightaway to push from 0 to 74 on the first vertical speedway. And what about the rollback? Rollback will set you up for an explosive reverse climb 420 feet in the sky so you reach 0 Gs in total weightlessness. 420 feet of straight-up speed. Let's get it. Top Thrill 2, the world's tallest and fastest triple-launch Stratocoaster. Get your tickets at cedarpoint.com. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts.